he's probably one of the songwriters and musicians that I admire the most in terms of his vision and his auteurship, I guess you could call it. I think he's incredible. Yeah, so if you're listening, Mr. Smith, you've got my email. Hello and welcome to the Listening Party Revelations podcast. I'm Suze. And I'm Trudy. This is the podcast centred around a social media phenomenon known as Tim's Twitter Listening Party. Each episode, we invite guests to share their experiences of attending or hosting listening parties. This episode, we are joined by singer, songwriter, producer, multi-instrumentalist, who's hosted two Tim's listening parties. In October 2020, she co-hosted with Bernard Butler and Peep Feedies for the collaborative album In Memory of My Feelings. And in March 2021, for one of the best albums of the year, the critically acclaimed The Art of Losing, she's worked on many collaborations with artists such as Manic Street Preachers, and she has a PhD in English literature. A big welcome to Catherine Ann Davies, also known as the Anchoress. Hello. Hi. Thank you for reminding me that I'd done more than one, actually, because I had <laughs> kind of got my other hat on thinking, oh, yeah, we did do, I'm sure we did do yeah. one. I remember being very stressed and very sweaty twice, but I, I'd <laughs> yeah. kind of not placed that in my head as to when it was. <laughs> Yeah, it's quite a while ago now, the first one, isn't it? Well, I think when you, like me, I've kind of been in a semi kind of state of lockdown for nearly two years now. So all, yes. all time kind of blends together by this right. point. Um, so when anyone asks me, like, well, what, what were you doing last year or this year? I'm like, well, which year am I in currently? <laughs> I'm just in an extension of 2020. Um, the conservatory of 2020 that may be creeping into someone's back garden because of the storm. Kind of, oh, wow. To stretch that analogy a bit far. <laughs> So we introduced you as a multi-instrumentalist. I believe you specialised in the flute originally. Um, what inspired you to get into music and why did you choose the flute? I don't know if I, if I chose the flute so much as I had the flute forced upon me. It was one of those kind of... I went to a school that didn't have sort of very many resources. Okay. And I remember they, you know, they'd come round and kind of try you out oh. on all the instruments to see if you had an aptitude. I really wanted to play the cello, but for whatever reason, they obviously decided that it wasn't for me. And we had this mm. like shared flute at school. I look back at it now. You look back at it in kind of COVID times. <laughs> that is disgusting. Yeah. Oh, no. So I'd have cl classes with like four other kids and we'd all be sharing this flute. So yeah, that that there there was no kind of choice in it. It was more sort of yeah. it was chosen for me. It was decided wow. that I would play the flute, yeah. um, which I did obsessively for about four years and, wow. and got quite good at it quite quickly. And yeah, it just became my real. I happened to be good at it, strangely. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was. Oh, it could all have been quite different if I'd have got to play the cello, maybe. <laughs> yes, you still yeah. play it now, the flute, or have you moved do, on from it? Do you know what? It's been, actually have used it on every album that I've made, on at least one track. And oh. the actual flute that I got, eventually I got my own flute with a grant from oh, a local good. charity that bought instruments for poor kids. Um, and I still got that flute and I still play it and I still oh, use right. it and I've used it on, on the albums. I yeah. played it on stage with people like Kate Jackson from Long Blondes as well. It's, yeah. it's got good use, yeah. that flute. So, yeah, I do. I'm bringing it oh, back. Brilliant. I'm going to make it cool. Excellent. <laughs> and not sharing it with anyone. <laughs> Definitely not. And which other instruments do you actually play? So after that, I think the next instrument I kind of picked up was a guitar. Or rather, I should say I stole my sister's guitar because she had... <laughs> guitar lessons I kind of nicked her guitar for about two weeks and decided that that was going to be my next kind of project um, and I didn't stop playing piano till I went to university kind of taught myself to do that bought a kind of cheap keyboard from Argos and sort of <laughs> huddled away in my room teaching myself and from there it's kind of just spread out to anything with keys or strings on really I'm mm. jack of all trades master of none mm, yeah. but kind of <laughs> 
cover it up really with some decent recording tricks. According to the British Library, an anchoress was a woman in the medieval period who was walled into a cell to live a life of prayer and contemplation. Can you tell us why you chose the name The Anchoress and will it continue to work under that name in the future? So yeah, the name's a bit of an in-joke really and I've talked about this before. When I was making the first record I was kind of mostly stuck in this small production room that was about okay. 10 foot by 12 foot so quite a small wow. room in a way like a cell and it had a really small window and I barely saw daylight because yes. I'd work really really long hours yeah. and so I remember just one night I think it was watching the one show or something <laughs> really cool like that and there was a little like you know there's mini documentaries they used to do yeah. and there was one about anchoresses and I thought that sounds a bit like my life really oh, yeah, um, I see. Wow. So, yeah it kind of comes to that the idea of working alone you know and just sort of not really having much contact with the outside world and that felt like it really summed up the music project yeah. for me and what I wanted it to be about yeah. the methods of working and so yeah as far as I, I'm, I'm yeah. no plans to change my name at the moment I think That's it will good. be I think it's become more and more apt really yeah. I have actually been stuck indoors for two years it looks like a small window behind you there <laughs> it's actually a very long room this room it's, it's oh. deceptive it's about oh, okay. 25 foot oh, that way okay. um yeah. with skylights all up here oh. um it's sort of like a long thing. It's really hard to explain. It's the whole depth of the house. It's the entire okay. roof. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it, it's, I always say it's when I see it on screen, it does look very small because you kind of don't get the depth. I'll have to think yeah. of some yeah. different angles. But, <laughs> but, yeah, no plans to change the name. It's going to be Anchorest yeah. going forwards. But, obviously, when I do do other collaborations and things, then sometimes yeah. I'm Catherine and Davies or yeah. Catherine AD as well. Yeah. Okay. It's nice to have a few hats to wear depending upon the, yes, yeah. the job in hand. Your albums have amazing artwork and you include some extras for some editions such as Art Cards, uh, Hardback Book and included with your forthcoming, um, the expanded edition of The Art of Losing, you have a library card. What's the inspiration for the literary-based designs of your albums? I'm trying to think sort of where it started. I mean, I guess it's just a natural extension of my personality and my interests, really. I think, as you said in the intro, you know, I've got a PhD in English and I, I yeah. studied um, literature for seven years at UCL. So obviously books are a real passion of mine yeah. so that kind of happens to sort of make its way very much into the lyrics and the concepts and I think with the first album being called Confessions of a Romance Novelist I wanted the artwork to sort of conceptually reflect that and so rather than just have on the back cover you know a list of the songs on the record I thought yeah. wouldn't it be nice to have like a stack of books and if each song was one of those books yeah. and I got to commission this amazing designer called Simon James at Standard Designs Okay. for the first record and then I just thought well let's do it again for the next one it's kind yeah, of become a little yeah. bit of a feature yeah. um, so yeah it's, I think it's just an, an extension of me as a person in fact most you know what you see is what you get really with the anchoress it's kind of the things that I'm passionate about the yeah. things that I yeah. write about yeah I, do, I genuinely do walk around the house all day in leopard print as well people are surprised <laughs> they ever kind of knock at my door accidentally to see me looking precisely as I do on stage you know yeah. There's not much kind of construction there. It's just, yeah. I think I spent a long time when I was first making music being quite worried about... I didn't sort of want people to know that I was doing my PhD. I sort of felt like it wasn't very cool. And I tried to sort of pour myself into the mould of what I thought you had to be to be a musician. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, the point where it clicked was when I stopped giving a flying fuck what anyone yeah. thought <laughs> and was just myself. So I, I think that's very much what's kind of happened ever since. It's just... Yeah. you know yeah. this is me this is what I'm obsessed with and um, whether or not it fits into what you think a musician should do is neither here nor there because it's just that's me brilliant 
You've worked on collaborative projects with artists such as James Dean Bradfield from Manic Street Preachers, Bernard Butler, Paul Draper, Simple Minds, and another of our listening party, Discovery's Penfriend. What do you enjoy most about working collaboratively, and what do you like most about working as a solo artist? I think, for me, like collaboration's kind of an extension of studying, so I kind of went straight from university in, into doing music full-time, and for me, like, whenever you work with someone, it's an opportunity to learn something or just have a different approach, really. And I do really love working alone because I'm a massive control freak. But every time that I do step outside of that and I either bring yeah. someone into my projects or kind of go and work with the Mannix, for instance, yeah. I find that I just learn so much that I wouldn't have exposed myself to otherwise. For instance, being yeah. in Simple Minds and touring with them for five years, it just really expanded my skill set as a musician, as a performer, it was like going to like a university of touring, really. <laughs> so yeah, I sort of think of it as my university of music. I didn't study music at, at, at school properly, oh, okay. you know, at university. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got to do it since through yeah. those collaborations, really. And all these people are so brilliant at what they do. Yes. You know, yeah. when you work with them, you can't help but pick up on you know something that you, you didn't know before. So I, oh. I nick all their little kind of tricks and yeah tricks the trade. <laughs> i'm sure it works both ways you expect you've given them tips as well i don't know about that <laughs> <laughs> who would you like to collaborate with in the future if there's anyone that's a really difficult question i think there's a difference between musicians that you really admire and those that you feel would either bring something to your work or that okay. you would bring something to theirs i would love to be a fly on the wall in kate bush's studio oh, wow. but i don't i don't think i'd want to collaborate with her because i don't think i have anything to, to offer her <laughs> and, and likewise i think she does what she does very well on her own it's really really tricky i, I guess probably my next on my hit list if you can call it that is robert <laughs> smith from the cure oh, wow. yes and we almost made it happen a while ago and i'm hoping schedule depending although they're about to go off on a massive tour for a long time yes. eventually hopefully it will happen because he's probably one of the songwriters and musicians that i admire the most in terms of yeah, his yeah. vision and his auteurship i guess you could call it i, I think know. he's incredible yeah so if you're listening mr smith you've got my email keep fingers crossed for that <laughs> many of us were introduced to your music via tim's listening parties how did you get involved with those and had you attended any of the parties before hosting your own i think but the way it sort of happened for the Anchoress was because we were asked to do the listening party for In Memory of My Feelings for the yeah. Catherine and Davies Bernard Butler record. And I think Tim and I were just exchanging a few DMs and then he kind of said, oh, see, so you've got, you know, your solo record coming out. Would yeah. you like to do one? It was all very kind of casual and uh, yeah. Yeah. no grand plan, really. But obviously I'd, I'd kind of seen them. A lot of people that I follow were very involved in, in the listening parties in terms of commenting on them. Um, yes. Although I didn't see them in real time, you would kind of get them in your feed the next morning. Yeah. So, so yeah, it was, um, yeah, it would just happen really naturally. Your listening party for The Art of Losing was full of technical information on the production, photos <laughs> from the studio <laughs> and descriptions of the songs. How did you decide what to include in your tweets? I guess I kind of thought about what would I find interesting. I okay. think I'm always really keen to know how people make records so the kind of production information like what gear did they use yeah, you know yeah. I, I guess essentially it's a bit like kind of getting a recipe book it's like i want to oh, know what the okay. ingredients are so i might have a go in my own kitchen type yeah, of thing yeah. so yeah I, I kind of did it like that and a little bit about thinking about obviously the fact that a lot of people wouldn't know my music already so giving a bit of context no, to right. songs yeah. as well yeah so I, I guess i always think of myself like as the prospective audience or listener and think well what what would i want to know 
yeah. I'm, I'm trying to include that. But it was, um, I just remember now, even now, just being so sweaty the whole time because <laughs> you're just copying and pasting the text. Some people try and write it in real time, but Tim yes. had said to me, no, pre write it out. Thing. Yeah, he, his tip was, to me was make sure you write it all out and then just copy and paste in real time. Yes. But even then, it's still really, um, yeah, you've got to be lightning fast with your fingers. And you always worry about kind of making mistakes. So, it, yeah, I just remember the adrenaline the whole time and just finishing and being really just, I couldn't sleep because I was so, ah! <laughs> That's pretty wonderful, though, when you get new listeners and everyone's interested. It was incredible, you know, that night was just part of a really special week for me. You know, it was the week the album had come out yeah. and it was kind of sailing up the iTunes album charts while we were doing the listening party. So yeah, I was kind yeah, of like kept yeah. checking. And yeah. I think it was right in the middle of the listening party that it hit number one. Wow. And it, so it was quite a moment to just, the power of the listening parties, <laughs> I think, exposure yeah. music to people that may not have discovered it otherwise. Yes, that's right. Yeah. That was really special. I think I, I did actually have a little cry here <laughs> at the other end of my phone. Oh, deservedly so, yeah. Yeah, we, we loved it. We, it was a brilliant listening party. The combination of the photos and the descriptions and how you made it and just the whole emotion of that album, listening to it oh, all very. together. Was, yeah, well, thank very... you. Yeah, I think it was such an emotional week, wasn't it? Because of what was going on with Sarah yeah. Everard. And yeah, it was just, right. you know, obviously I'd made the album quite a while before, but when it came out, it just hit a particular nerve obviously quite sadly yeah. and it was just this really very emotive quite difficult triggering time I think for a lot of people yeah. and I know there were people who didn't listen to the record at the time because of what was going on and then messaged me sort of months later saying you know I couldn't listen at the time it was too oh, triggering wow. and difficult but now I have and I really love the record yeah. or I've been listening to it with my therapist as well I got quite a few of those <laughs> that's interesting um, wow. so yeah it was, it was really special and obviously not being able to get out in the real world you know not being able to do in stores or shows yes that listening party yeah. was really my only gig you know yeah, it was, yeah. it was really lovely you may have just answered this but what did you want to achieve from hosting the listening party and what did you learn from hosting it well, I guess it was about really kind of reaching out to people that may have not have heard of my music before, you know, yeah. getting, giving them an opportunity to discover the record. But, and I think it's also just like that real like shared experience. It was very much to me like what you want to get out of doing a show, which is connecting with people and communicating with people and getting that feedback from them. And it is, like I say, the closest to a live performance that I've kind of felt yes. for quite a while yeah. now, really. Yeah. And, it was a really, really, just very emotional thing. And I'm going to keep using that word a lot because it really <laughs> yes, was yeah, me. Yeah. People think that the internet's really impersonal, but I, I didn't find that at all. I just found it yeah. really moving. Yeah, it's, I mean, a lot of artists have said that, that it's the closest thing to a live gig, which it seems a bit bizarre that you can be sitting on your own with a computer, not with anyone else, and it can still be like a gig. <laughs> yeah, and also because most artists, I don't think, sit at home and listen to their own music, unless no, you're a, a big difference, yeah. type of narcissist. <laughs> so, you know, it was probably the first time I'd listened to the record since I'd kind of mastered it. Yeah. So that was quite moving as well, you know, to listen to it as a whole kind of work and to get see people's reactions it is exactly like being at a gig when you're watching people's faces yes, kind of emote yeah. and, and ingest the music so yeah it's really special yeah. yeah and the name of this podcast is listening party revelations what's the most surprising fact or revelation you've shared in one of your parties i think it probably was that moment where it kind of hit the itunes you know, album chart the top of it and yes. I kind of went a little bit off my plan, shall we say. <laughs> I went off script. And I think I may have said something akin to suck on this motherfucker. I don't know if we're allowed to swear on your podcast. It was just a real moment of, of vindication. And, and like I said, I was feeling quite emotional, I think. Yes. And, you know, it was kind of, you know, to the man who said, let's see how far you get without me, which is something I'd mm. had said to me in the past, you know, uh, suck on this. Yes. Because yeah, it absolutely. just really felt yeah. like 
here's the collective power of all these people listening who are really enjoying yeah. it going out and buying it and it was just that was a massive revelation to me the power of the people to do yeah, that it yeah. was really beautiful and great. cathartic yeah, yeah. <laughs> we spoke to you about your own album designs earlier do you have a favorite album cover by another artist i do and it's it's in my office downstairs it's david yeah. bowie's low i'm absolutely obsessed uh, with that album cover uh, yes, his silhouette yeah, yeah. To Earth, the kind of orange yeah. Um, yeah. sunset. I'm sure I'm going to crowbar a reference of that visually into my future album somewhere. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, I absolutely love it. I've, I've actually got a um, cushion cover. Somebody got it knitted for me for Christmas. Oh, they knitted the scene of wow. David Bowie's low on a cushion. Seeing Amazing. is believing. <laughs> Head to my Instagram if you want to see that. Honestly, this, this person is so talented that they managed to get the detail of the whole album cover wow. hand knitted. Incredible. Do you listen to much new music? And if you've listened to any of the artists, have had listening parties at all? Do you know what? I listen to loads of new music. So at the moment, I'm kind of involved in um, lecturing a little bit on... So I do half a day a week on a master's in music production. Okay. And so a lot of the students are obviously creating their own new music, but also kind of directing me to listen to their yes. references and their influences. So I listen to so much stuff and also just from genres that I wouldn't naturally be into, like hip-hop, okay. for instance, or... or yeah. Or metal. Yeah. But personally, I think the kind of things that I've been listening to a lot over the last year, Hannah Peel's record, okay. um, I'm just completely obsessed with, mm. partly because it's got no vocals in. So I find that quite, when you make music for a living, and I heard a lot of other people say this, and I Bernard said this to me once, you don't necessarily want to go home and then listen to music. Yes. So you need like a palate cleanser. Yeah. So Hannah's record is really brilliant for that. Not mm. only is it an amazing record, but it doesn't have the vocals in. So for me, yeah. it's it's like a holiday for my brain whenever I listen to <laughs> yeah. it. It sort of takes me somewhere else. Um, and then I love Billy No Mates as well. I just think yeah. she's yeah. absolutely incredible. Yeah. Just no one else making music like her. And I'm no. really excited to see what she does next as well. Yes. The Listening Party has a replay feature on the website where you can play back any listening parties you may have missed. Which replays would you choose to catch up on if you had some spare time? I was looking at this earlier in preparation for our chat and I was thinking, God, I wish I did have a spare time because yeah, I would I genuinely I like to sit down and listen back to the Smiths, Strange Ways Here We Come yeah. and The Queen Is Dead. Okay. Partly because yeah. I want to get some tips from, from Stephen Street, who I think, oh, as yes. I understand, was involved in, in those. Yes. So yeah, but finding the time is just so difficult. Yeah, yeah we, we thought that might be your answer. Imagine you're a very busy lady. <laughs> but too short. They're too short albums, though. They're not too long. So maybe That's I should just yes, it was make myself do it. Crazy time. So many people attending the party, so you couldn't read it all in one go. It's good to have the replay there. You can go back and see all the pictures and stuff. What was the last album you bought, and what's your favourite format? So I interpreted this question as, as kind of thinking about physical. What What's the last album you physically bought? And I actually went a little bit overboard with my dear friends the Manic Street Preachers okay. and I bought four formats of the ultra vivid lament when it came out wow. Um, wow. helping it get to number one I would yes. like to add although they obviously very kindly sent me a copy of the record I, okay. I did also buy I think I bought two vinyl and then I bought a CD for myself and I bought a CD for my mum for Christmas as oh, well nice. it's like go big or go home yes yeah but I, I you know I mostly kind of listen to music at home it's terrible to say this, but I mostly listen. I, I listen through the dreaded S word. My son, I've got Sonos speakers throughout my house, so yeah, kind of yeah, like whatever yeah. room I'm in, it's just for convenience, really. And it's awful because I have a massive CD collection and vinyl collection still. A lot yeah, of it's stored yeah. at my mum's house. Okay. But it's just so difficult to, you know, when you've 
got the option there. Although, having said that, I can't listen to my Joni Mitchell records anymore because they're not no, no, on Spotify. That's true. Yes, I will have to dig out and I have all of those on CD. So, yeah. check them out again. Unfortunately, you've not been able to perform live for a while now. Back when you were touring, performing, what's the furthest you've travelled to perform a gig? I was thinking about the furthest I think I've been was to Australia with Simple Minds. We did a wow. whole tour over there. We did wow. Australia and New Zealand. But the furthest just to do a single gig, single show, was Dubai. Oh, okay. And that is a long way to go for one show and then yes. go back again. Yeah. Did you stay there and have a holiday or did you just come straight back? <laughs> I think, from what I remember, we flew in like two days before because the jet lag is so awful for that particular time zone. And I, I was like a zombie for about a day, day and a half. Yeah. did the gig and then came straight back it, it's it's pretty rough on the system to do that yeah i can imagine and obviously it's so hot there that you don't really go out in the daylight so you don't really get a chance to reset at all it's just mm. jet lag wow. i do not miss jet lag <laughs> so i think yeah that's the furthest i've been for a single gig i think yeah and where would you like to travel or to play your ideal gig at a city or a venue do you know what i'd really love to take the anchoress to paris it's like a really special, I think the French audiences are really special for me and I've played there a lot with Simple Minds, but I haven't got to go there with the Anchorest yet and I'm hoping to go to Europe next year. I mean, all the European cities for me are just really beautiful. Yes. And, and again, I've been to them all. I've spent a lot of time in Europe, but because of the speed and the pace of touring with Simple Minds, you often didn't, didn't actually get to see the city. No. So I'd love to go back to all of them, really, and, and spend yeah. a little bit more time there. On the subject of touring, what's your favourite part of touring and what's your least favourite? Uh, it's probably the same as everyone's answer, really. <laughs> favourite part of touring is playing live, you know, playing yes. the gig. Yeah. And your yeah. least favourite thing is all the other stuff. Because <laughs> <laughs> waiting around is so boring and there is so much waiting around. Travelling, it's really hard. And I, I travelled at a level, I say, at a rate that is just really difficult. Like, at some points on, on the kind of touring schedule, we'd be on a plane every single day. Oh, and that wow. is really tough on your vocal cords it's tough on yes. your body yeah. um it's tough on your blood i think it does weird things to your blood mm, kind of going yeah, up to yeah. that altitude yeah. and coming down all the time so yeah i love the gigs <laughs> if you could teleport me to each gig i would tour <laughs> all the time but i did sort of four and a half years of really like grueling touring like six months mm. of the year six shows yeah. a week yeah and mm. i feel like i've earned a little bit of a break yes. Yes. the <laughs> pandemic has gifted me that yeah, inadvertently exactly. sure did, yeah. but you're raring to go again now i was i was raring to go and then obviously boris decided no we don't have covid anymore so we're mm. not going to have restrictions anymore which for someone like me who's been shielding is, is really tricky yeah. so yes. we're having to re we've rescheduled all of the tour dates to spring 2023 by okay. which point everyone will have their shit together they'll be safe and, and meaningful yeah. ways for people to be yeah. everybody to be able to go to gigs yes. then yes, um, yeah. be a bit more patient yeah yeah so, yeah if anyone wants to come you can book your tickets now for next spring <laughs> which will come quicker than you think yes yeah. it will. I'm holding on to mine don't worry have you had any gig disasters or mishaps while touring oh yes Oh, yeah. oh my goodness! It cringe even thinking about it. The worst one was we were doing this gig in Monaco, which is like basically where all the millionaires live. Is the only way yeah. I can describe it. And instead of clapping, they would like throw roses onto the stage. Oh, it's like oh, really wow. rich. Rich wow. people won't even clap; they just throw roses. But my piano pedal stopped working in the middle of the gig. And it stopped working just before I was doing this solo performance, which was just yeah. me, my voice and the piano. <gasps> yeah. If you've ever heard anyone play the piano without being able to use the same pedal, no. you will know how terrible it sounds. Oh. I got through it 
I came off stage and I bawled my eyes out, locked oh, myself no. in the toilet Ooh. and was just absolutely humiliated and devastated because wow. obviously the audience wouldn't necessarily know that that was why it sounded like it did. Maybe they thought she's just really shit. Um, no. <laughs> so yeah, that was really, really difficult. And um, yeah, it was just, and a few sort of people got told off on the technical side as well yes, for that. And yeah. it was no one's fault. These things just yeah. happen, yeah. but it was absolutely humiliating. Mm. And I think in, if I had my time again, I probably would have stopped and explained what had happened. But yeah, it wasn't really, it wasn't the opportunity to do it at the time. Nothing you could have foreseen was going to happen. These things happen, but yeah, it was so, I still cringe when I think about it. It was just so embarrassing. Oh. Did you still get the roses thrown at you? Probably, probably to get me to try and stop. <laughs> if you could choose anyone, who would be your dream listening party guest? Oh, this is really easy. This is David Bowie, of course. Oh, you know, I think, just imagine how incredible it would have been to have him walk through Black Star. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, easy answer. Yeah, you can imagine. We've had quite a few guests who have served David Bowie. And we haven't had a Black Star party at all, though, yet. So no. that might still happen. That would be amazing, wouldn't that? If possible, could you sum up Tim's Twitter listening party in three words? Oh, I think I have to go for emotional. I've used that word a lot, haven't yeah. I? Um, yeah. Exhausting because of the cut and paste. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Those fingers work fast. <laughs> cathartic for me. Really cathartic. Ah. It's almost a year since The Art of Losing was released. How do you feel about the album now and after it's reached so many people and received so many accolades? Well, it's weird because it is nearly a year since it's been yes, released, but it's yeah. coming out as an expanded edition That's on right, the yes. one-year anniversary with five new acoustic tracks. So for me, it's still very like present in my mind because I'm yes. having to... I've been doing yeah. loads of interviews again. I'm talking about the record, having to... In fact, at the moment, I'm... Actually, I probably can't tell you about this. Can I? It depends <laughs> when this is going out. I'm doing something really exciting at the moment with the album as well that I can't talk about. Wow. Um, <laughs> so I'm reliving it all over again. How do I feel about the album? I, I feel tremendously proud of it still, you yes. know. Yeah. I think it's quite unusual as a songwriter and, and musician to not pick apart the work that you do. And I'm always really hypercritical of everything that okay. I do. And there's only one thing that I would change on the record, so one really tiny thing. Oh. And that's like quite a miracle for me to still feel like that. <laughs> yes. After having, you know, had it sort of exposed to so many people and, you know, it's, it's done so well, like better than anyone could have dreamed of. So it's, yes, it's just yeah. been really surprising and especially out of a record that was made out of really difficult circumstances yes, to have accomplished yeah. some... Accomplish some good, I think I can say that. Yes. In terms of yes, helping think, other people. Definitely. I think. Yeah. But yeah, it's not over yet for me. Well, <laughs> it's still good. going. Yes. <laughs> I'd quite like to get going on the new record though. So it's um yeah, after the expanded edition is out and this other thing that I've got to do, um, hopefully I can start thinking about album three. Wow, that's good news. Your twenty sixteen album Confessions of a Romance Novelist was named Best Newcomer by Prog magazine and The Art of Losing was named Album of the Year by the same magazine. How does it feel being such a critically acclaimed artist and does it have an impact on how you will go forward? It's a strange thing because obviously The Art of Losing ended up with all those kind of end of year best of lists and that was quite surprising to me because I'd got it into my head and had been told by the my former label actually you know it wasn't really an album that was going to have mass appeal so I don't know that it kind of feels like pressure going forward if anything it just sort of feels a bit like vindication that if you just do the music that you love and you just make something that interests you then it will find it will find its audience in a way yes. so yeah. although it's lovely to have the critical acclaim and obviously it's really 
satisfying to know that people enjoy it actually I'm equally as interested in the listeners if that makes sense yes yes because I kind of see them as two audiences you know the critical audience yes. which is the journalists etc and it's great that they think it's a great record but yeah. then obviously you also want to, that to connect with the people that are buying and, and listening and coming to the gigs yeah. as well so it's a double-edged sword because I think it can kind of set you up to feel a little bit pressurized going forwards you know, can I make something as good as this? And yes, I don't want yeah. to have that in my head at all. I just no, kind of no, think no. I want to go and do something else that interests me. And yeah. I can't repeat what I did with The Art of Losing. No. I don't think you could. I could never have set it up in terms of the timing and the way that yeah. it, it's sort of caught people's imagination in that way. So I think I just try and put that on my head now and just think that's really lovely. Bank it, if you know what I mean, in my ego yeah. bank. <laughs> and then <laughs> yes. say, OK, well, what next? Yeah, I can understand. It must be a pressure. It is, and I think you just have to sort of almost admit defeat before you even start and just say it's not possible to repeat that yeah. success critically. I don't think it is, you know. It's, I think, you know, magazines and, and broadsheets and all of that, it can be really fickle in terms of, you know, especially if you've been given kind of widespread critical acclaim, you're almost setting yourself up for a kicking next time around because that's sort of how it works, doesn't it, yes. with the press. I hope that doesn't happen, obviously, but I think I just have to sort of think... That's never going to be as good as that again. So don't put any pressure on yourself. Yeah. Yes, don't yeah, expect yeah. anything. Um, and see what you, happens. Really. When you've had that much attention on you, there's already the interest is there for the next project. So people are more likely to tune in and think, oh, yes, I remember what she did before. Yeah. Although I guess, like I said, I think less likely for the critics to be as kind because I think they, mm. they're always looking for a narrative, aren't they? And I think the narrative often in the British press is build something up. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. say oh it's not as good as what it used to be I think you see yeah. that all the time with bands they'll cliche the difficult third album <laughs> well it was, it was basically the second one wasn't it so uh, we, we will see um, yeah, yeah. yeah I try not I try and kind of <laughs> shut it out when I'm, I'm writing yeah. but it is really hard it does definitely intrude upon your brain space and you think yes, yeah. while you're writing you think is this good is this as good as what I've done before I don't mm -hmm. know yeah. but, but so you have to find a way to tune that out I think yeah yeah in regard to that, listening to The Art of Losing, it's a very moving experience with a focus on the unspoken subjects such as grief, loss and trauma. Why did you feel this was the right time to produce such an honest emotional album? I mean, I really I just, didn't. I started yeah, making just, a different record. Um, I started making another album and scrapped three tracks. Okay. It was really just that that was what was happening. Yeah. And I couldn't write yeah. about anything else. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I absolutely didn't feel it was the right time for it and was told repeatedly <laughs> by my press officer at one point and then my label at another point that, you know, this is really dark. Catherine, I'm not sure people have got the stomach for this. Are you yes. sure? Yeah. Yeah. Are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah. And don't get your hopes up and all of this. Uh, so no, I never felt it was the right time. And I was okay. absolutely prepared for it to completely disappear without a trace. Oh, okay. <laughs> and for everyone to go, this is really depressing and I don't want to hear about this. Yeah. So massively surprising to me yes. the reception that it got and I can only put it down to a change in a sort of national mood I think yes. I yes. talked about yes. this a little bit before yeah. when I said I don't know if you remember sort of at the beginning of lockdown we had um, I May Destroy You came out around the same time which was incredibly dark talking about sexual assault and yeah. It, yeah. Yes. It, yeah. it was really massively acclaimed and people yeah. were kind of going to it in droves. And I think because we were in the middle of a pandemic and, you know, all these people were dying and every day we're seeing these horrendous death tolls. Yes. Yeah. I just think people's attitude ever so slightly shifted towards their comfortableness to talk about death, to talk about yeah. difficult subjects. 
Yes. Perhaps. I mean, maybe I'm overanalyzing it, but that, that's my kind of explanation for why mm. it went from mm. being an album that was dead in the water that no one was going to listen to, because it was frankly too depressing and yeah, no one wants yeah. to hear about that, yeah. to actually just capturing completely by accident a, a moment and a mood, I think. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's really interesting to just consider if it had come out in a non-pandemic time, what would have happened? Well, it was no finished. It, it yeah. was finished the year before, and it was supposed to come out before the pandemic, and then right. various yeah. things happened yeah. to sort of keep put it on hold. Yeah. But I, I do wonder as well, just for anyone who hasn't heard it, obviously I'm, I'm talking about it in these depressing terms. But actually, the sound of the record is very anthemic and upbeat. Yes. I think I've used that phrase like death disco before. <laughs> so perhaps that was also it that. If you're reading about what the record is about, it you might think that's not going to connect with people. But I think the combination of the dark lyrics and the kind of upbeat, to be like really simplistic about it, music, yes, yeah. you know, and that kind, in the way that Depeche Mode have a massive fan base, I think yeah. that that combination of or the Cure, even you no know, dark yeah. anthems, it's yes, always yeah. been something that the British public are quite hungry for. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I've learned not to listen to my former label as I say oh, that's good. <laughs> as I've left them now well I, I think you know it's all about finding the right fit isn't it and it yes yeah. I think you have to work with people who are coming from the same place as you are and I think if, if you're being set up to kind of expect that something's not going to do well because it doesn't chime with what they think that they can kind of sell into a marketplace and it's time to look elsewhere really yeah and various other other reasons but um <laughs> Yeah, I think it's just pleasantly surprised everyone on, on the team, really. Good. I think, I don't know, I've not asked, actually, I'm just thinking, I've not actually asked any of them how, you know, what do you think about how it's done? You often release one-off tracks or reimagined tracks and remixes. just want to mention the REM cover you did of Sweetness Follows recently oh, yes, that we yeah. both love. Yes, love just that. wondered how that came about. Well, I've been kind of messing around a little bit with these Bandcamp Fridays over the past few months. Just yes. doing a kind of reworking of a kind of classic song and thinking, you know, I've been kind of crowdsourcing ideas from my fans. So almost like doing a kind of request thing. So I did like Tender by Blur, sort of reimagined on the oh, Mellotron. Yes. I did an REM. I've done, I've done Pearl Jam. So you can kind of guess Excellent. the demographic. <laughs> and I'm thinking that probably what I'm going to do in the summer is do a kind of quick couple of weeks in the studio and, and record a covers record. Sort of like oh. a Bowie pinups kind of thing. Oh, wow. oh okay. Yes. Just to kind of clear the pipes before I get into album three. Because <laughs> yeah, I sort of yeah. feel like I need a bit of a reset. Yeah. And yes. they've gone down so well that yeah. it's also just been a really lovely way for me to just sort of have fun in the studio without putting that yeah. pressure on myself to go back That's and record good, yeah. the next record. Just, the song's obviously written, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So all you have to do is think about the arrangement and doing something a little yes, bit different. Yeah. That, and I really love the sweetness follows. You really made it your own version. Oh, thank you. Well, I'll have to go back and listen to listen to Michael's version afterwards. Well, I've got some plans for those to do. I'm, as I say, I'm doing some more work on them, and there's going to be more. So, so oh, watch your space. Brilliant. Excellent. What's next for you, basically? What what are new music, new projects on the horizon? So, I think there's really two things. No, three. Let's say it's three things. So, first one is expanded editions coming out on March the fourth. Yes. With five new bonus tracks, and then there's this thing I can't talk about that's coming out about a month later. Wow. Well, I probably can talk about it, but I might get slapped on the wrist for talking about it. It's super exciting, and if you love the record, then yeah. it's just yeah. a brilliant new way to experience mm. the record. Oh, no surprises. <laughs> 
guessing what it could be. And then I'm going to, over the summer, just take a, probably a month to do a covers record. Yeah. Because that's, you know, the reaction to the Bandcamp Fridays has just been so great that I yes. feel like yeah. I kind of want to re-record them all properly yeah. and, and get that out of the way. And then album three. And then tour. Brilliant. Yes. yes Spring, story. summer next year. Yes. Hopefully to coincide <laughs> with a new album, if I can get it done in time. And yeah, who knows? I'm not sure, really. It's, it's very encouraging. There's lots of things. It's good. Yeah. Yeah, just keep making music. <laughs> And yes, keep yeah. putting stuff out there and hopefully leave yeah. the house eventually. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. most important thing, yeah, get out the house. Yeah, trip to Waitrose, pencil the <laughs> wow. diary for spring 2022. Mm. <laughs> oh, not 2022, 23, actually. Yes, probably. Yeah. That's it. Goodness. <laughs> See, I, keep, I said this to you earlier, yeah. didn't I? I lost the year. Which year? <laughs> I, I still think, think we're we 21. Have... I think I've done that a few times. I've written the date down as 21. It's... I think we're all entitled to that, aren't we, really? Yeah. So can we do that with birthdays? Can we have extra birthdays, do you think, as well? I think we can, yeah. I think we can. Yeah, or office parties, as they're yeah, called. still the same age as before COVID, apparently. You take two years off. Or just extra parties. Yes, yeah, so we can do that afterwards, yeah. We have a playlist of guests chosen tracks from the listening parties. Do you have a track from any of the parties for us, please? I am going to pick I Won't Share You by The Smiths. Ah, great. I haven't got any Smiths on our playlist. No, we haven't. I literally you. just did that off the top of my head there because I'd forgotten wow. to. I was, I was thinking, <laughs> oh, God. What can I pick? What can I? Pick? It's, it's impossible to pick one song, isn't it? But yeah, no, it's a great track. Good. Okay. Thank you. Oh, brilliant. So we'd like to say a big thanks to Catherine and Davis for joining us for today. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a, such a pleasure and just really nice to revisit what was such a special evening for me. And yeah, yes, thank yeah. you to everyone who went and bought the record as a result of listening as well. It's just, I can't thank you enough for changing my year, really. Last year, whichever year it was. <laughs> <laughs> And hopefully, yeah, I'll be back for album three with it. With yeah, Maybe we'll even one day get to do a confessions listening party if yes. I can bear to listen to it again. That would <laughs> be great, yes. actually. That would be yeah. great. That, that is a really great album as well. I love that one as well. Yes. So, thank you. Yeah, thank hopefully. you so much. Well, thank you for having me. And um, oh, no, yeah, I, for us. Yeah. I look forward to seeing you online at the next listening party. Yes, yes definitely. Yes, and, and hopefully we'll see you on tour next year. Fabulous. We'll see you. Thanks all for listening. This is the Listening Party Revelations podcast. Please subscribe and follow our Twitter account at LPRPod. Bye. Bye.